Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending March 6, 2020. I'm Brian Yadow, and I'm joined today by Russell Investments Senior Investment Strategist, Paul Eidelman. Hey, Paul, good morning. We'll good morning, do a little uh, air elbow here, <laughs> yeah. um, good just to see given uh, what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, I know that uh, our colleagues, uh, Sophie and Kara, talked about coronavirus in great length last week, but given a lot of the developments this last week with uh, other countries getting affected, government responses, as well as businesses responding, uh, it's certainly going to be a key topic for this week. So let's yep. let's dive right in. And, and what have been uh, the key developments around uh, the spread of coronavirus this week? Well, sure. I think globally we've reached a, a new milestone this morning on Friday where there's now slightly more than 100,000 cases of the coronavirus. So this has been a very significant sort of broadening of infection globally. And I think what markets have been really focused on uh, is not so much the developments in China, which uh, appears to be largely contained, but more the idea that the virus is spreading across the developed markets. So this week we saw uh, more evidence of uh, a significant ramp up in cases in the United States, particularly Mm -hmm. close to home for us here uh, in Seattle and and King County and and Washington State, where uh, there have been a number of infections and roughly a dozen uh, deaths now in the United States. So I think that has a lot of attention given how important the U.S. economy is for uh, driving global markets and global fundamentals. Uh, there's also been a lot of cases in, in Europe with um, a breakout in Italy, I think, as we talked about last week, but also Spain, uh, a bit more evidence of infections in the, in the United Kingdom as well. So this does appear to be uh, very much a, a global impact now, which um, is important just in terms of cascading short-term uh, economic impact. So I think that's really the development and focus this week. And we've seen some pretty meaningful responses from governments, um, at least here in the U.S. as well, mm-hmm. um, both uh, the federal government and and the uh, the monetary policy. So why don't we talk about some of the key responses? Well, yeah, I think uh, monetary policymakers generally have been responding pretty aggressively and proactively to the developments here. And some of that is just the context that we're in now. This is uh, sort of an unforecastable downside risk for them. Um, so they're recognizing those concerns. But also, inflation is too low, both in the United States and across the developed world. And so that makes them very eager to kind of step in and provide accommodation because they don't have to worry about sort of the risk of too much inflation mm-hmm. running a very loose policy. So um, this week, we saw a number of announcements. The U.S. Federal Reserve uh, delivered an emergency 50 basis point rate cut. So there wasn't even a scheduled meeting, but uh, they cut interest rates uh, quite significantly. Uh, we also saw the Bank of Canada reduce interest rates by 50 basis points. Uh, the Bank of Japan talked about the idea of uh, launching a more aggressive um, stock purchase program. So for many years now, they've been buying exchange traded funds in Japan, and they're talking about ramping up and accelerating those purchases to uh, stabilize asset uh, prices in the region. So I think all of those steps are positives. They don't necessarily uh, get to the the root risk and and cause here, which is a short-term disruption to activity and a short-term disruption to corporate cash flows. But at the very least, a lower cost of capital is a a positive. and I think maybe more importantly, if we get beyond this at some point, very low interest rates should kind of fatten the right tail for investors because they'll likely remain in place uh, for some time. I think the fiscal policy side will prove to be more important, and that's our, our bigger watch point. So uh, there have been some announcements there or some at least rumblings and rumors of potential actions in the pipeline. Uh, the Bank of England has talked about doing some bridge financing potentially for uh, corporates in the United Kingdom. 
And uh, economic advisor Larry Kudlow today in the United States was talking about the potential of um, some tax breaks for impacted industries like airlines, uh, et cetera. But I think that idea of bridge financing is a really important watch point that we'd like to see more evidence of globally just to hold businesses over during this uh, short-term period of stress. Interesting. Uh, shifting gears a little bit to the, the business side, I know that uh, Dr. Kara Ng alluded to uh, the possibility last week of, of businesses starting to respond in, in ways of uh, encouraging workers to work from home. And, and we've yeah. actually seen that locally here um, in the Seattle area with, with Microsoft and Amazon encouraging employees to work from home. So we're starting to see some of this play out. Yeah. Um, have we come to a point where your economic outlook is being impacted? To a degree, I think certainly with uh, the virus becoming more pervasive in the United States, we're increasingly convicted that there is actually going to be a short-term impact uh, to economic growth, mostly concentrated around the month of March here as uh, these work closures take effect, school closures take effect. Uh, and very naturally, when sort of people aren't in concentrated uh, population, population and economic centers that can be disruptive for sort of retail in that area, restaurants in that area, et cetera. So it does look like there will be a bit of an air pocket uh, here. We, we've already seen that in the China numbers, um, but what we would look for certainly some economic effects in the United States in the first quarter as well, where uh, real GDP growth could even drop close to zero for a quarter. But I think that the key for investors when you're thinking about uh, in equity market investment, for example, that is really discounting cash flows, not just for this quarter, but really far out into the future. And so right. as long as this remains a short term disruption, uh, markets should be able to look through this without uh, major, major downside risk. But again, the virus is uh, almost impossible to forecast. So we just kind of have to keep monitoring those developments. OK, uh, recognizing that financial markets have been uh, pretty responsive this week. We've had a lot of volatility in equity markets, yep. um, plus or minus 4% days is, is pretty dramatic. And we've seen yep. bond markets respond too, right? We've seen the 10-year Treasury fall to a record low, below 1%. Uh, and and investors are uh, somewhat ignoring some of the positive numbers we've seen with the jobs number this morning. Mm -hmm. um, how should investors be interpreting some of these market signals uh, that we've seen this week? Yeah, well, so the labor market report this morning for the month of February in the United States was strong. Uh, 273,000 jobs were created, so that's uh, a very significant beat and I think positive news. The reason markets haven't responded that much to it, though, is it is sort of backward looking for the month of February before there was much virus disruption in the United States. And markets being sort of forward looking pricing vehicles are more thinking about the, the possible future downside risks more so than what we were kind of seeing in the rearview mirror. But I think at the very least, it, it is directionally a positive signal that the U.S. economy went into this on reasonably firm footing, which is important as you're kind of thinking about uh, ability to, to weather any, any shock. Um, around financial markets, as you said, a, a lot of volatility seesaw up and down 3 and 4% every day. I think from a U.S. equity market perspective, sitting here on Friday, we're pretty close to uh, the close from last Friday, so not a whole lot of uh, cumulative uh, price gains or losses, but it, it was a very wild ride over the week. Uh, the more significant action was in fixed income markets where uh, treasury yields have fallen very sharply over the week. And, and sitting here Friday morning, we're looking at a 10-year uh, around 0.73%, which is 
uh, an all-time low and, and pushing uh, lower by the day, it, it seems like. That's partly in response to the Fed cutting rates. The market thinking they may have to cut more as the short-term economic disruptions that we talked about become more evident. Uh, and we wouldn't have sort of a strongly differentiated view to that market pricing here. Um, and I, I guess it would emphasize as well that, you know, government bonds, even though yields are low, they can play uh, a very important diversifying role in portfolios, even at these low yield levels. So that's probably an important insight for investors to keep in mind. Great. Thanks, Paul. Sure. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But as always, thanks for your insights. Yep. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on Market Week in Review.